Hey, Twisters, what up? Welcome to a special bonus episode of Twisted Philly, the podcast dedicated to my favorite stories about the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. Did you notice what I did there? Sisterly affection. Yeah, apparently back in the 1800s, we weren't simply showing love for the men, we gave it up for the women too. So I'm considering changing my tagline to include sisterly affection going forward. I'm still trying to figure out when the city changed our tagline. I wasn't expecting to produce another episode this quickly, but I found something the other night that is one of the most ridiculous and twisted publications about our great city that I have ever seen. The other night, I'm asleep. It's about 3 a.m., which freaks me the fuck out because in movies about exorcisms and ghosts, that is supposed to be the hour of the devil. So waking up at 3 scares the crap out of me. But I'm awakened by my six-month-old kitten, Rosie Cotton. Um, Yes, she is named after a hobbit. Rosie was spayed last week, and she's been having a little trouble recovering from her surgery. She's definitely getting over the hump, but since she's not sleeping, I'm not sleeping. So here I am in bed with a kitten laying on my face, and I decide to peruse new stories for future episodes, and I stumble upon a publication from 1848. The title of this publication is a bit unwieldy, and it is totally twisted. So here goes. A guide to the stranger, or pocket companion, for the fancy containing a list of gay houses and ladies of pleasure in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. Ladies and gentlemen, what I have stumbled upon is a guide to every brothel in Philly in 1848. The author's name is suspiciously left off this publication. So I dig a little deeper and I find a digital version of the entire pamphlet and I'm like, wait, wait, what the hell is this? Is this a guidebook to find Victorian hookers? Yes, that's exactly what this thing is. So at this point, it's close to probably 3.30 in the morning. I'm wide awake. I'm laughing. I get up and turn on the light. I grab my Surface because my iPhone simply will not do. I need to download this sucker and read it. But before I download it, I start to wonder, was prostitution that big of a thing in Philly during the Victorian era? I mean, we're not talking Whitechapel here. Well, I discover that, yes, indeed, prostitution was a pretty big fucking deal in Philly, not only in the 1800s, but long before William Penn ever arrived. So here's the history lesson first. There were multiple categories of ladies of pleasure. There were ladies who came from very little to no means nor education, These women worked in brothels where they were forced to spend the evening with anyone the madam sent their way. There were women who worked for themselves, they had moderate means, moderate education, and they perused parks, theaters, business districts, not necessarily street walkers. They positioned themselves in more upscale parts of the city, and they would meet with gentlemen customers at their leisure. There were married women who prostituted themselves to help keep their family together and keep a roof over the family's head. There were also women that worked the road. And when I say road, I mean like big dirt roads between Philly and Baltimore and D.C. As horrible as this all sounds, prostitution was the highest paying career for a working woman in the Victorian era. So while many women were hoping to land a job as a housemaid, perhaps in the home of a well-off family, or maybe as a secretary, those jobs only paid about 20 bucks a year. A prostitute could make that much in a matter of months. In the early 1800s, Philly really saw the rise of red light districts. And 
This was due likely in part to the destruction of a massive whorehouse near 2nd and Front Streets that used to be a china factory. The factory went under after a few years and in its place a whorehouse took over. But between the loud noises, the fights, and the public displays of affection that went on all hours inside and outside of the factory, the residents of the neighborhood had enough. They'd complained to police. But, you know, the cops, they were getting bribes from the patrons. They were getting bribes from the madams at the whorehouse. So they turned a blind eye to all of this. Finally, in August of 1800, the residents in the neighborhood took it into their own hands and burned and dismantled a six-building structure that made up that factory. The only thing that remained after two days were the chimneys. But can you imagine a whorehouse the size of a six-building factory? That's a whole lot of loving going on. Or at least there was. But the culture of the city supported the culture of brothels. After the, the Revolutionary War, Philadelphia was the cultural and political mecca in the United States. There were so many gentlemen traveling in and out of the city, plus so many young men coming to Philly to attend our prestigious universities, like Dr. Mutter. Um, I'm not saying that he ever visited a brothel, but gentlemen like him, and they were alone, there was no family around. They found themselves with time on their hands, and I don't know, what the hell's a young man supposed to do? The brothels eventually moved to the outskirts of the city where it was easier for people to visit them without being noticed, but prostitution flourished in the old waterfront neighborhoods. Some of the best customers were semen. And I can't believe I just said semen while I'm talking about prostitutes. <laughs> oh my God, I hope you guys are laughing because I'm laughing at myself. There was a huge vice zone near South Philly, um, that grew up along South and Bainbridge streets. So to any twisters living in that section of the city today, congratulations. You're living in what used to be the vice section of town where ladies trolled the streets 200 years ago. Uh, Moya Mensing, you guys aren't getting off easy either. That was another area where prostitution flourished. There were buildings there that were combinations, brothels, dance halls, gambling dens. There was a large red light district from Spruce to South, another one around 12th and Pine. Um, there was the Tenderloin from Callow Hill and Race all the way to 6th and Broad. Oh, and folks in Northern Libs, yeah, you guys aren't getting away easy either. You were not excluded from the prostitution belts. But what really sucked about the red light districts in these neighborhoods is that most of these sections of the city were poor. There were foreign immigrants, um, immigrant workers, African Americans, people with very little power or influence over what was happening in their neighborhoods and no power or influence to stop it. And when they would try to do something about it, well, it was just like in 1800, the police again looked the other way because they were getting bribes from the brothel owners, from the madams, and from the customers. Prostitution was so bad in Philly in the 1800s that we actually had, right here in Philadelphia, the very first Magdalene Society Asylum for Fallen Women. I kid you not. These poor chicks were called Fallen Women, and that was founded in 1800. So this is the prostitutional climate of Philadelphia. Um, I think I just made that word up, but it sounds pretty good, so I'm sticking with it. This was the prostitutional climate of Philadelphia that brought us to the 1848 publication with the longest title of any publication in Philadelphia's history. I honestly don't know if that's true. Uh, that's my guess, so I'm making that up too. So I read this booklet, and think about it. You know, we've got men traveling to Philadelphia away from the watchful eyes of their wives. These people need a guidebook. And apparently, stranger guides were a thing in Victorian times, like Yelp or TripAdvisor, that you could find on a hotel registration counter, or maybe you could pick one up at the concierge. 
But not this particular version of Stranger Guide. This Stranger's Guide was a little different. And you probably would have found it at a theater or a bar. And it was tiny. The original copy of this pamphlet is only the size of an index card. And the front cover has been cut probably to remove the author's name. The guide begins as what I thought was a warning to the gentlemen of Philadelphia and those traveling to our great city. The author has kindly documented a list and description of the houses of ill fame in the hopes that visiting strangers can avoid these horrible brothels. So he says, some people may think that this is the most virtuous place under the sun, but let them look over these pages and perhaps they may open their eyes in amazement at the amount of crime committed nightly in this city. Whoa, he is fired up. And I say he because I assume it's a man that wrote this. But he advises gentlemen against the snares employed by these wily courtesans. They're his words, not mine. And in his foreword, he goes on to say that in order to warn the stranger and gay city bucks against the possibility of being involuntarily induced to visit a low pest house. What the hell is a low pest house? Oh my God, this thing is killing me. Um, the following list of such places is made out and laid bare before the public. Now, I want to take a second and remind everybody that back in the 1800s, the word gay did not refer to homosexuals. It referred to people that were frolicking and um, probably enjoying too fun of a time, as was customary for that period of time. So this guy was a stalwart, pious citizen. He was so concerned with the reputation of our Victorian young men that he would take pen to paper and advise them of the addresses from which they needed to steer clear. Or steer directly to as quickly as they could because when I scrolled to the next page of this pamphlet, the tone is decidedly different. It's like bow chicka wow wow. Let me read for you an excerpt from the first house of ill repute in the stranger's guide list. This is the house of Miss Sarah Turner, who runs an establishment at what was number two Wood Street near 11. The author says, this house is situated in one of the most respectable parts of the city. The landlady is a perfect queen. At this house, you will hear no disgusting language to annoy your ear. Everything connected with this establishment is to make a man happy. I'm sorry, I can't even keep a straight face. I cannot tell you how many times I've tried to record this without laughing, so I've just given up. So this guy spends two pages. Oh my God, my voice is cracking. This guy spends two pages raining fire and brimstone down upon our city because of the vice and crime of prostitution, imploring young men to respect and protect their reputations and avoid these dens of iniquity. And then he sings the praises of these brothels for page after page after page. And it's obvious this guy is speaking from personal experience. He even goes on to say with regard to Miss Sarah Turner's establishment, Stranger, do not neglect to pay a visit at this house before you leave our quiet city of sisterly affection. And then he specifically names ladies who were especially pleasing beautiful and accomplished. Ladies like Miss Josephine Phillips and Miss Isabella Stewart. And the list goes on and on. I read this and I'm like, what the fuck? Didn't he just tell us how bad these brothels are and how young men cannot let them get let themselves get ensnared by these wily women? What the actual hell? So I kept reading 
And the next house is that of Miss Josephine Summers. And the author calls it a temple of Venus with ladies who are not only accomplished, but beautiful and bewitching. There's Miss Mary Fisher's house at 341 Lombard. Um, a what up, Philly? Shout out to anybody living at that address today. Because in 1848, this house was of the very first class, known to be perfectly safe with ladies who conduct themselves with propriety and who are perfectly irresistible. A man will never rue his visit to Miss Mary's. What the fuck? This is not a list of places to avoid. It's a frigging map of where to go to get your freak on. And it's not all irresistible charm and well-appointed brothels. The author is kind enough to warn readers of houses that are not up to his high standards. Like the house of Catherine Ruth and Indian Kate that was on 12th Street near Pine. The author calls this one tolerable, but advises gentlemen can find better. Although there is no danger here, one should still be careful. I swear to God. In his defense... It sounds like he's trying to describe these places as boarding houses. He refers to the properties as places where one can get a bed. But in every description, he's talking about the ladies who are already boarding there. And I don't know about you, but I think actual boarding houses in the pristine and at least publicly sexually repressed Victorian times were not co-ed. Especially when you consider that ladies back then weren't even supposed to show their ankles. And when they went swimming... They had to wear bathing suits that were made out of wool that covered them from neck to knees, and then they had to wear socks with it to cover the rest of their legs. This guy is ranking whorehouses. The locations, the madams who run them, the ladies who work there. Like, this is crazy. And all of this being done under the guise of providing a public service to the men of Philadelphia. I, this thing is killing me. I read through the entire pamphlet, and I laughed my ass off in the middle of the night. I have no idea how I didn't wake my kid up. This was before the sun came up with my poor recuperating kitten. So here's a description that really cracked me up. This was Miss Sarah Ross's house. This is one of the worst conducted houses in the city. The girls, though few in number, are ugly, vulgar, and drunken. We would not advise anybody of common sense to stay there. Now, come on. Just because a young lady doesn't meet your standard of beauty doesn't mean she doesn't know how to please a man. Like, is that rude much? The author closes the pamphlet by saying that he has done his duty to the public in giving a true and correct description of all the principal houses in this city. This guy's got balls. I wish to God his name was still on the pamphlet. He is positioning himself as someone doing a great service to the community. But really, he's just trying to get a man laid. This booklet is like the Marauder's Map, right? The first two pages are like the front of the map completely innocuous it would lead any reader to believe that everything is on the up and up oh but once you open this little book we solemnly swear we are up to no good oh my god there's a copy of this actual pamphlet at the philadelphia library company i am planning a visit so i can see it for myself i have no idea if they'll actually let me hold it because like it's 170 years old but maybe I could convince them to print a reproduction of it. This is something that I would totally buy if I saw it in a gift shop near Independence Hall or the Constitution Center. But they probably wouldn't be able to put it on the shelves because these are family attractions. Like, what is wrong with me? 
Oh my god, I hope you like this bonus episode. I hoped you like learning about the Stranger's Guide, especially this one that was dedicated to the location of every whorehouse in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection in 1848. We're going to get dark and creepy again in episode 4. It's going to be another true crime episode, and I have to tell you, while I've been doing the research, I've gotten a little sick, um, which means it should be a good one. And a quick message to my dear friends at Insight Pod. Um, no, I do not have an updated copy of this guide. Uh, maybe I should make one. And hey, Twisters, if you're not listening to Insight Pod, you need to check it out because they are awesome. All right, you know what I say. Ciao for now, Twisters.